0: y'all are at an age where y'all need to hear what i have to say more than what is said up there so uh this is for your good this is one of these necessary things of life Uh, paul said when i was a child i spake as a child but when i became a man put away childish things so all of this is a part of a big picture that we're doing here at grace and It's working beautifully, and I appreciate our young folks for being in here with us. And we're going to start using them more and more in here on Wednesday night and perhaps other classes on Wednesday night. We want them to start giving back. And everybody say amen. I want to jump into my Bible study tonight. And um, last Wednesday night, we talked to you about dreaming when you are broken. And uh, I do want to say tonight that... Dreams for some of you are coming to pass, and I am so thankful, Buck wild, about that i don 't know what to do, but uh, we 've already heard uh, several things uh, that God has done and for you, and uh, this is the point. we have a dream for our church, but it 's time for you to start dreaming individually and um, But people say, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how hard it's been. You don't know the circumstances. And you're right. I don't. But dreams have never been subjected to that unless you allow your dreams to be subjected to that. So last Wednesday night, we talked to you about dreaming when you're broken. Broken tonight, we will continue. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this was our scripture text for last Wednesday night. One translation said, Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. It's to your benefit to understand your brokenness, to understand why you're broken, and then to move on with the rest of your life and become a dreamer. And don't let dream your dreams be taken away. So last Wednesday night we introduced to you the first principle in this series, which is the reality step. It's the reality step. You realize that you're not God. And I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. It's necessary to realize that so last Wednesday night I gave to you the reality step and I'm going to review a little bit more about last Wednesday night in just a moment but let me read our verse for tonight is Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted y'all come up here I want our young folks to come up here Justin If you would, it's too tempting when you sit in the back to be distracted by nonsense. Thank you for that. Thank you all very much for your cooperation. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want you to notice in in the Beatitudes, we talked a little bit about this last Wednesday night. The Beatitudes seem to be a paradox or uh, an oxymoron, if you will. They really don't make sense to the average reader that don't study them. But let me focus a little bit on our verse for tonight, just for one second. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. But he did not say, how? You would be comforted. That comes later. There's a faith element here that when you realize, when you take the reality step and realize that I'm not God, I'm powerless to control my tendencies to do the wrong things. And my life is is pretty much unmanageable by me. I can't do it. I'm not qualified to do all this for myself. The next verse says, which is our principle for tonight, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But how? So our second principle that I will introduce you tonight is the hope step. Our first principle is reality step. Our second principle is the hope step. And that is to earnestly listen to pastor. This is not generic and you'll understand why in a minute. But you must earnestly believe that God exists and that you matter to Him. You have to believe that. That God exists, I matter to Him, and that He has the power to guide me. From last week, we must realize that in pursuit of our own personal ministry, that obviously our world isn't perfect, none of us are perfect, we've all been hurt, we all have hang-ups, we all have habits, and these habits, most of them, some of them, we'd like to change. Everybody needs to figure out your ministry. And the good thing is, is that the steps, uh, the, the, the steps out of those things are the same, regardless of what may be that's holding you back. The first step you have to take is a reality step. You have to realize who you are, what you're about, and that you're not God and that you can't control your life without Him. I'm glad our young folks are in here tonight for this study. The root cause of our pain is our desire to control things. And the more insecure you are, and let me add to that, not only are most of us insecure in some essential area of life, but most of us lack our own personal identity. You really don't know who you are. And we're going to try to help you discover that in the coming weeks. <clears throat> so the root cause of your pain is the desire, is your desire to control things. And the more insecure you are, the more you want to control things. You want to be the God of your life. But listen to what happens when you live like that. And I want everyone to hear. I want everybody to understand this. When we try to control everything in our life and we lack any effort in developing faith in God and learning how to turn things over to God, we end up fatigued, frustrated, and we feel like failures. Does that resonate with anybody here tonight? This is what happens when you don't take the reality step. You can't admit who you are, what you are, And what's happened to you throughout the course of life. If you can't do that, coming to a fulfilling relationship with God and others is going to be very difficult. So how do you break out of that? The first step is you have to get past that denial factor. I can't cover this anymore. I can't hide this anymore. I can't bury this anymore. It's got to come to the surface with someone I trust. I got to get rid of this. I got to move past it. I got to work through it, etc. Talked about this last Wednesday night. Denial is what keeps us from finding ourselves. It keeps us from finding our ministries. Listen to this statement. When you live in a state of denial, you excuse what you do, and you accuse others for what they do. Does that resonate with anybody? Now, I usually simply kind of call that being a little judgmental. You know, what we do is okay. The way we live is okay. Our attitude is okay because it's justified, because nobody knows like we know what we've been through, and I have a right to have a bad attitude, etc. But anybody else that works that way around us, we are quick to accuse them. And all of this is a defense mechanism that allows us to live in a state of denial. And It is amazing at how many Pentecostals live in denial. So last Wednesday night, I taught you on the antidote for denial. The things that, that can make us finally face our problems or our issues. I hate this word in this application, but it's baggage. What will finally make me face my baggage? And usually, God's antidote for people in denial is pain. He will bring some level of or allow some level of pain to happen into your life. People, There's people sitting in this room that have had moments where that proverbial light comes on in their head, and they're like, oh yeah, that's the problem right there, but they don't do anything about it. So when the light comes on, people rarely change. But when that light becomes heat, and life gets too uncomfortable, and it gets too unbearable, then we want to begin to change. God uses three ways to break us out of our denial, and I'm in the book with all of this, with all the characters there are in the, in the Bible. Number one is crisis. God can bring an illness or allow an illness. He can allow stress, the loss of a job, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but God can allow a crisis to happen in your life Pretty much drops you down to your knees and puts your face up towards heaven, and then God can talk to you, and then you'll listen. That's one way God has of helping you work through problems in your life that you don't want to face, that you don't want to admit, but they prohibit you from any spiritual or relational development. The second thing God does is is confrontation. He'll use confrontation. If someone, there's always going to be someone that cares. Enough. Oftentimes it's the pastor. And that's why he's the big bear with a big stick to a lot of people. But sometimes the pastor will say, You're messing up, buddy. You're, you've, you've made choices. that's going to take you down a road that's going to be really tough when you get down that road a ways. And, and turn around. Don't do what you're about to do. Stop where you are. Quit sinning. Give up the world, etc., etc., etc. And people don't do it. A good friend can tell you, you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to lose your marriage. You keep doing what you're going to do, what you've been doing, you're going to lose your kids. They're, they're, they're not going to serve God anymore. Keep doing what you're going to etc., etc., etc. So God will allow you to be confronted by people, even by His presence, by His Word. He will allow something to confront you face-to-face to try to wake you up and to have you realize that you're living in denial. You think everything's going to be okay and everything is okay, and it's not, and it's not going to be. The third thing that God uses is catastrophe. And hopefully God won't let that let the bottom fall out of of everything before we stop and listen to Him. But what sometimes happens is that God will step back and let us reap what we have sown. He'll let us feel the full impact of our own misguided and impulsive decisions. You still want to play God? I don't. So the first step in finding your ministry and finding out who you are is to realize, I'm not God, I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. This is the reality step. So to begin our study for tonight, the second step, once you can face who you are, what's happened to you, where you've been, what you've done, etc., what's going on in your life, once you break out of that denial mentality, then you're ready to take the hope step. Everybody say hope. The good news is that there is a power that you can plug into to handle things that you can't handle on your own. And His name is Jesus. When Jesus said, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted, the implication of that Scripture is that I will be the comforter. So I can make that statement, not because it sounds good and poetic and, 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 and it'll give you some kind of hope or whatever, but I can back up that statement. If there's anybody that can comfort the broken, I can. I know what to do when it comes to broken people. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, the Bible said, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Somebody quoted this scripture at senior high youth camp, and I believe it was was one of the the evening speakers, and that has not left my mind, and it fits so beautifully here. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is. He is God and that He is a rewarder. I think sometimes the reason our lives are so substandard in our relationship with God is we try to play God too much. We make our own way, we earn our own money, we build our own homes, we buy our own cars, we do this, we do that. It's I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. I believe it was James that said something along the line that if God be willing, I will do this or that. But I wonder what would happen, and I, I want to build a message at some point in the future if God will help me out of this verse. But He rewards people who don't just seek Him, but they seek Him diligently. There's no distraction. There's never lack of focus. There's never turning their eyes away. They're diligent. And they do it every day, every hour, every minute of every day, every day. And those are the people that, and we know people like that. They walk with God. They give their life to God. They surrender everything to God. They don't do anything without talking to God about it. And their lives are blessed. And it seems like they never go to the doctor. And they're not necessarily wealthy, but they always have money to do what they want to do. And you're like, where does this come from? Because he is a rewarder. But more than physical things. There's a spiritual contentment. There's a spiritual satisfaction. That person looks in the mirror and says, I know who I am and I've been down this road and I've done that thing and I've, been, I've, I've done this wrong and i made this mistake and I've been stupid here and I've been stupid there. And I look in the mirror and I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm not a perfect person. But I know that God loves me. He has his hand on me, and I seek him every day, because without him I am nothing. And those people who live like that are rewarded. They're whole people. I'm not trying to be disparaging or negative here tonight, but I think a lot of Pentecostals are kind of like the the nine lepers. They got a cleansing, but they never went back for the, the rest of it. And we love that little Sunday morning repentance session where we cry buckets of tears and I'm not belittling that, but we cry and cry and we pray and pray and the people of God gather around us one more time and, and we pray some more and pray some more and finally you have that tongue-talking experience and you're on top of the world and it don't last till you get out of the door. You know why? Because you're appeasing your conscience instead of diligently seeking Him. So when Jesus said, I know I'm coming to a hurting world. I'm coming to hurting families. I'm coming to hurting people. Your hurt don't scare me. The abuse that you've been through in your life, the rejection and the harshness and whatever you want to put in that blank, all the stuff you've ever been through, growing up poor and poverty and or being bullied, or being molested, and all of these things, those things doesn't intimidate me. Because if you mourn and diligently seek me, I know who I am, and when I come to you, I will make you into a person as though those things never, ever happened. Rewarder. There's three parts to taking this hope step and this road to finding your ministry finding out who you are and then finding your ministry number one we have to acknowledge God's existence and 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 listen before you run down that road with me because you don't know what I'm going to say you think you do but you don't most of us don't have a problem with God's existence atheism is not a huge popular movement in our world today as a matter of fact, in America, it's less than 2% are atheist. Why? Because of all the scientific discoveries that we've made through the years, people are less willing to say that all this just happened by accident or through evolution or whatever. As a matter of fact, it takes more faith not to believe in a Creator than it does to believe in one. It's kind of like if I took my watch and took it all apart. Every single piece of this watch, took the crystal off of it, the back, the second hand, the hour hand, the minute hand, the little thing that gives me the date, the face of it, all them little gears in the back of it, took all of that apart and put all of it in a brown paper lunch bag and shook it all up for about five minutes and then opened the bag and I got a perfect watch. That's about what it's like believing that all of this just so happened to come on the scene. Where there is a creation... There must be a creator. That's common sense. Where there's a design, there must be a designer. Where there's an effect, there must be a cause. And if God has a design for your life, it's imperative. If He has the design for your life, it's imperative then that we seek Him diligently to find out what that design is. So I was going to read some verses here about proving the existence of God and so on, but I believe you know them. Romans one twenty, Psalm nineteen one, Psalm fourteen one. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Actually, the words there is is in italics, and the, the word our words there is what in the original text. So the fool has said in his heart no God. So it could be taken as no existence that God doesn't exist, or it can be taken as no I'm not going to do what you want me to do, God. Either one. That's a pretty disastrous conclusion. So the Bible says it's foolish not to believe in God. It's irrational and illogical not to acknowledge that he exists, and it is an absolute fact that God still changes lives today, and there's no question about that. The real issue for most people is not, is there a God, but rather, what kind of God is he, and what is he really like? Paul said, and, and Philippians 3, and it, it mesmerized me every time I read it. That I may know him, he said, in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. The power of his resurrection is the ultimate in his deity. The fellowship of his suffering is his, the lowest ebb of his humanity. And he said, I want to know God on both ends all the way through. But here's what I've come to say tonight and on this point. Unfortunately, most of us get our ideas about God By thinking, he's like our parents. And that's a proven fact. And that's tragic. Because if your father was aloof and unloving, then you tend to think that God is aloof and unloving. If your parent was somebody to be then you subconsciously think, I need to be afraid of God. If your father was abusive, then you tend to think that God is going to be abusive. If your parent was uncaring, then you transferred over to God. So this is what we do. Instead of, making, instead of God making you in His image, you make God in yours. Have you ever heard anyone say, and I have? I've heard people say this. My idea about God is... Mm. Okay, well, I have a question to ask. Who made you the authority to determine who or what God is. And just because you have a certain idea about God, does that mean it's right? What are you basing it on? What's your perspective on your opinion and idea about God? Bottom line, it really doesn't matter what you and I think. What really matters is what God's really like and it's not our opinion about it. And that's should be on us to get to know Him. So let me say tonight that our perspective of God cannot be based on our parent or some other primary, significant, influential relationship in our life. But our perspective of God should be determined and established by the Word of God. And if you're basing your perspective of God on some primary influential relationship in your life then even the bible itself is not going to have a lot of weight with you and you listen to pastor tonight and i know what i'm talking about i know people in there are some of even the 10 grace that have huge issues with their parents and their relationship with god is dwarfed it's retarded um it's it's not nearly there's there's very little faith and this is oftentimes where people feel okay to take the bible and take it down their little to their house and interpret it themselves and say that I don't have to do this because I just don't feel like it's necessary, and I don't have to live this way because I just don't feel like it's necessary. And it all starts with an insufficient viewpoint and perspective of who God is. <clears throat> so I'm pouring my heart out here tonight because I want everybody in this church to be a dreamer. And I want you to put your dreams into a God, in a God that is more than able to bring your desires to pass. And more than that, we should have a desire to have God bring His desires in us to pass. That should be our greatest goal. But if you don't know Him, you're going to have a hard time with that. If you don't know Him, you're going to have a hard time properly interpreting and, and understanding the Word of God. That I may know him so it is imperative that we understand these things it's imperative that we understand so you have to acknowledge God's existence not like you think but like he really is I must believe that he is Not what I think He is, but just take Him as He is. The second thing that must happen in our life is to understand God's character. We must not only acknowledge God's existence, but we must understand His character. What is He really like? Until I know what God is really like, I can't trust Him. You know where I had a a huge moment with this? It's one time Sister Murphy and I were flying somewhere. I got on the airplane and just sat down and put my seatbelt on and watching watching the flight attendants run up and down the aisle doing their thing and whatever, and a light came on in my head. Who's the pilot of this plane? I'm putting a lot of trust in that cat. And I don't even know his name. I didn't shake his hand. He didn't speak to me when I got on his airplane. All I'm hoping... God help me tonight. All I'm hoping is he don't have one single plane crash on his record. And if he can produce that, then I'll ride on his airplane, even though I may not know him. I want to tell everybody in this building tonight, God don't have any kind of plane crashes on his record. You can trust him. And you may not know him in and out, top to bottom, through and through, and I don't know anybody that does. The Apostle Paul, who was called up to the third heaven, The first heaven is the blue sky. The second heaven is just beyond it, out in space. The third heaven, most people believe, is heaven, heaven. He was there. He said, we look through a glass darkly. Whether in the body or out of the body, he said, I cannot tell. So I want you to understand tonight. It's, It's imperative that we know God to some degree, that we trust him and his... Our understanding and knowledge and what have you of his character cannot be based on some creep that was in our childhood. Don't want to insult anybody's parents, but it is what it is if he was, she was, whatever. It can't be based on that. All you can do is look around and see how he changed that life and he changed that life, and he changed that life, and he healed that body, and he worked that out, and he provided this miracle, and he provided that money, and he did this, and he did that. He don't have a crash on his record. He don't have a crash on his record. The Bible said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, speaking of Christ, that he is the image of the invisible God, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him... Where all things created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things exist. He's perfect in everything He does. And He's an easy God to trust when you try it. And I'm gonna tell you, I've learned in in my lifetime that God hasn't delivered me out of nearly as many situations as he has walked me through situations. you all understand that? He don't always deliver you from the fiery furnace, but you can bank on this one thing, buddy. He's showing up when those times come, and he's going to be there. Amen. So, understanding God's character, that's a tall mountain to climb, but if you can trust him a little and understand he don't have a crash record, all right? Second point is God knows all about my situation. God knows you better than you know yourself. And you may say, well, that's a little unfair. He knows everything about me and I know so little about him. That's not unfair. I'm pretty content with that. I'd like to know God a little bit more, but I know him enough to trust him. And then he can know whatever he wants to know about me. Because the more he knows about me, the more he can help me and the more he can understand. So God knows all about my situation. He knows about yours. Listen to pastor tonight. God knows all about your habits. He knows where you're weak. He knows about your hurts. He knows about your hangups. When you're weird and a creep and all that, God's not off somewhere else dilly-dallying around. He's paying attention. When all you fellas up here, you mean to the girls in church and what? God sees all that. You just need to know. You need to start being nice to them, girl. And for that matter, (laughs) they need to start being nice to y'all. I've seen some of them pretty brutal. You know, let's bring boxing gloves to church next time. But God knows all about your situation. He knows your habits, your hurts, your hang-ups. He knows the good and the bad. We say sometimes, nobody knows what I'm going through. Wrong, wrong, wrong. God does. Notice the word of God in Psalm 56, verse 8. He said, Thou, you you tell my wanderings, you know my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? God knows everywhere you go, and every tear you cry, God sees it. And Psalm 31 and verse 7 I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, and thou hast known my soul. In adversities. In Psalm 69 verse 5. Oh God thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. There's nothing off the record with God. He knows the good days, the bad days. He knows the dumb stuff. He knows the foolish decision. And amazingly he still loves all of us. Amen. <laughs> yes he does. The fact is that God is not Shocked. By your dumb stunts. And your stupid foolish decisions. He's not surprised and shocked by that. Because he knows you. I was telling somebody the other day that. I'm, I'm so glad Sister Landry to be on the flip side of parenting. And what have you. And enjoying grandkids. Most of the time. <laughs> and uh. But uh. I was talking to somebody the other day that it was a while as when I was a kid growing up before I really realized that mom and dad had eyes in the back of their head. It's nice to have been a parent and experience the eye in the back of the head syndrome, where you know kids are you know real sheepish around the house doing da 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 like mom and dad don't know that they were just a complete idiot. And did something really stupid. You don't have to say it. Your face says it. You, you, you got this big thing on your forehead that says, I'm a dummy. And, but, but when you become an adult, you understand that when you do the same things, God sees that. And as a parent, you loved your kids. Why wouldn't he as God love you in return as well? As a matter of fact, one of the greatest revelations I had, Sister Melanie, is that God loves my kids more than I do. He does. He sure paid a bigger price for their redemption than I did. I tell you that. So God's not surprised. So God cares. What you need to understand is that God cares about your situation. Not only does God know your situation, not only does God uh, he not only does He know it, but He cares about your situation. He knows. That you're not superhuman, and He knows that you fail, and He still loves you unconditionally. This is the hope step, and we must understand it. Jesus said, Blessed are you when you're hurting, and you've been treated like a dog all of your life. I'll come to you, and I'll take care of that because I know who I am, and I know what I can do. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. We may end up with some altar time around here before it's over with. We'll see. God's love, listen to pastor. God's love is not based on your performance. The love of God is not based on your performance and how perfect you are. God's love is based on His character. That's just who He is. God is love and He can't help but love you. He can't help it. If He wanted to quit loving you, He couldn't. We need to get this in our head. There's people sitting in this room that stray off and do bonehead things and what have you. Oh, God, don't love me no more. I've spent time on the phone, uh, over an hour one time with a lady on the phone. I just don't know how God can love me. I used to be an alcoholic. I used to be a dope pet. I used to be a stripper. It was all I could do to persuade the woman. It ain't based on who you are and what you are and what you're not. It's based on Him. It's just who he is, and he can't help it. He wants to be the loving father that some of you have never had. In Psalm 103, verse 13, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I love you with an everlasting love. it will never die. You can try to make me not love you, and you can't do it. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. He died for us. So what we need to understand about the character of God is that God can change me and He can change my situation. So not only does God know about your situation, not only does He care about your situation, but God has the ability to either change you or your situation. Oh, so sometimes He will change you, sometimes He will change the situation, sometimes He will change both. It's been my experience that He's changed me more times than, then he's changed the situation I was in. Just bow up, boy, and get through it. I'll be with you every step of the way. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. God can work in you, and he can work in your situation, and even both. How many of us have ever found ourselves paralyzed by procrastination? I know I need to do this, but I can't change. I don't have the ability. I don't have what it takes. I know I need to do better. I know I need to change this in my life, but I just can't. Can you hear the little Beatitude is blessed are those who are hurting and mourning. Blessed are those who are disappointed in themselves. Blessed are those who don't know who they are.
1: Blessed are those who think they're nothing. Blessed are those who have no self-esteem. Blessed are those who've been mistreated. Blessed are those who've been abused. Blessed are those who've been rejected by their family. Because I'll come to you. And I know what I can do in a man's life. Hallelujah to God. I wish somebody could get your head around this. It'll change your life. it change mine. And it can change yours. Gone are the days of walking around with my head bent over and my shoulders all slumped and putting sad to stories on Facebook and Instagram. Gone are those days because I am somebody. I'm a child of God because He came to me and He's been Father. He's been a friend that's never left He's comforted my life and he's done things in my life that no one could ever do. Clap your hands with me tonight.
0: Hallelujah. It's the hope step. And sometimes we're paralyzed by procrastination. We say, I know to do this, but I just can't. But God says, I have the power to get you through that. Don't you understand? Can you trust me just a little bit? I have the power. I can take you by the hand. If you'll be accountable to me, if you'll be responsible to me, if you'll discipline yourself to my word, if you'll believe in me. If Jesus Christ can raise himself from the dead, are you still going to be okay with saying... But he can't help me. You realize how bad his body was beaten? The lashes on his back? There was no skin on his back. There were all the muscle tissue. You could see bones and ribs. You study the crucifixion, crushing those thorns into his brow and the death of crucifixion, the nails and what have you, the sword. When you study all of that, I've heard of doctors point of view from the physical impact of a crucifixion his body excuse the expression and god forgive me and i don't mean no irreverence or disrespect was like putting a putting a pack of hamburger meat in the grave he didn't just raise from the dead he didn't come out of the grave bleeding and had to go to a doctor he didn't have to go through six months of rehab When he came out of the grave, he walked out of the grave. And three days later, all he had was a few scars
1: to show his disciples and doubted. If he can do that, then why, for God's sake, can he come to your broken, confused life and say, if you need hope, meet hope.
0: I am hope. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best here tonight. He can raise you above the clutches of addiction. He can raise you above your past so that memories stop haunting you. But you have to allow Him to do it. You're blessed because of what's happened to you. Because there's a God that can comfort. Luke eighteen twenty seven. we all quote it. We all quote it, but it's very seldom applied. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So here's the point. The longer you postpone asking God for help, the fewer days you have on this earth being all God meant for you to be. So you just wasted a week. You just wasted three months. What was that old song? Wasted years, wasted years, oh how foolish. The longer you procrastinate, the less time you have on this planet to live in fulfillment. And some people focus all of their life on the past. It's like driving a car looking in the rearview mirror the whole entire time. You look in the mirror and only glance through the windshield and make sure you're not going to run into nothing and back to the mirror just constantly analyzing the past and grieving over the past and what happened in the past. And you people know that I have respect for everybody's past here in this building. But after a while, you take Jesus by the hand and you let Him start leading you forward. A rearview mirror is helpful when you're driving. It gives you perspective. But looking at your past all the time, prohibits you from living a present. And it makes you more apt to repeat the past. So the third part, and I I have about two minutes and I'll be done. I've concluded early a few times here and there, so y'all owe me about five or ten, maybe 30, 40 minutes. The third part of taking the hope step in this road to finding your ministry is to accept God's offer. We've heard all of our lives that, you know, that thing you buy is it's just too good to be true. It usually is, but not with God. You can never overrate God. You could put Him on the Internet and He'd get five stars on Amazon.com. He don't have a crash record. And you look at all the replies about God. And all you hear is his success in the lives of people. So it's obviously not enough just to believe in God because that hasn't wiped away the hurt. It takes more than mere belief to plug into God's power. And whatever it takes, which is accountability, responsibility, discipline, whatever it takes and whatever you feel like you have to deprive yourself of to be healed, Worth the effort because here's one little part of what he offers. Philippians chapter two verse thirteen: For it is God which works in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Want to accept His offer? Willpower on your own is not enough. Good intentions aren't enough. We need God to give us the will to empower us to affect that change and then there's always the people and they're so irritating when god has made such a great offer well i don't know if i want to change well then pray that god would make you willing to be willing to change his offer's too good to refuse folks right. spirit-led living is the only way to live second timothy 1 7 and i'm concluding stand with me tonight For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want power to break habits I can't break. I want to be able to love people that I have a hard time loving. I want to let go of the hurts of my past so I don't build up walls in my future relationships with others. Decided I don't want to be the God of my life. I want God to take over. So there's a simple yet profound principle in the modern universe. Things work best when they're plugged in. I've known of people that's gone to our illustrious Walmart, bought a brand new iron, and bring it home and just fuss and fuss because it don't work, and then look and say, Oh, I forgot to plug it in. I would to God that all of us could get plugged in. Take the step of hope. Hope all things. Trust all things. Believe all things. Who was the lady in the scripture? refused to be comforted. What was that story? Did the Old Testament prophet mention that something about? Was it Rachel that refused to be comforted, weeping for her children? Can't pull the whole thing up. But there is a part of of the human element that says, "I don't want to be comforted because I don't believe in my healing," and so it's just a false pretense. It's just a going through the motions and and playing make believe and. And I've heard these kind of sermons before. You folks don't understand. By a show of hands here tonight, how many of y'all noticed? Anybody noticed the two envelopes up here? Most everybody did. You know what that's saying to me is somebody's taking the hope step. I don't know who they are. I hadn't gone up there to look at it. Had two more. We have two more that's come in tonight that we'll be putting up there before Sunday, where people are saying I'm taking the hope step. And even though I'm broken, I'm going to start dreaming. Won't you take the hand of the person next to you and let's, let's talk to the Lord for a few minutes. I know it's 25 till 9, but I hope you'll be patient with me just for a moment. God is speaking to somebody here right now, and I'm not going to let this moment pass without giving you an opportunity to accept God's offer. He said, Brother Murphy, I've been down to the front a thousand times. I want you to come one more time. I want you to come one more time. I want you to come one more time. This is for everybody in this room, everybody in this room, including me. We've all had our share of brokenness and hurt, but it's not going to take my dream away. It's just not going to happen. And so tonight, I'm going to take the hope step. I feel the spirit of the Lord here tonight. Let's let's wait for a moment on on the Holy Ghost. I I feel the presence of God in the house today. Somebody be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody let